Good morning. Great you in Jesus' name this morning. Welcome you to this part of our service. I heard the number of people that were going to be missing this morning. I thought, boy, we're going to have a small crowd. I'm pleasantly surprised to see as many of you as here that are here. So thank you for being here. Thank you for that song. Truly, Jesus example is one that we can look to and learn from. Him being silent, I thought, was there other other examples of Jesus being silent? And one that came to my mind was when the, I think it was the Pharisees brought the women that was caught in adultery, and he stooped on the ground and wrote something in the ground. But then he did say, those who are without sin cast the first stone. So he did talk. I think Alan mentioned that there is a balance. Knowing what to say and what not to say. My father-in-law, Christy, would say in Dutch, you can tell the truth, but you don't have to tell everything about the truth. In other words, there's some details that I guess if you know Dutch, there must be some adjectives that you can express in there that for me as an Englishman I don't get. This morning as I was thinking of what to share, I thought I would continue on looking at Ruth. Last time I looked at Ruth 1, chapter 1. I think we're going to go into Ruth chapter 2. I know today is Palm Sunday, and considered that, but looking at this story and some of the things that we can learn from this story, I believe can have a resemblance of what Palm Sunday is. Turn to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read the entire chapter. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Limanek, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was too light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants, That was set over the reapers, whose damsel, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from morning until now, as she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not 
to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eye be on the field, on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Thence she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? And that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not hence to for. And the Lord recompensed thy work, and a full reward was given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thy handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded her young men, his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose, on purpose for her. Leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Bless he, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is nearer kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men, until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, and they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. <coughs> if you remember... Going back into the previous chapter, Naomi had returned with Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law. They had come back to Bethlehem, and the time that they had arrived was the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, if I understand right, the timing would have been in the spring, if the if the barley had been planted in the fall. It could have been harvested probably sometime in May. God is a God of perfect timing. They came to the house of bread right when the grain was being harvested. 
the Lord was working through circumstances and situations for his glory, for Ruth and Naomi. Remember that there was a famine in the land, and this is what had drove this Jewish family to seek uh, the saving of their household. To save their lives, they left their country and became foreigners in in a different land, in another land. And then death struck their family. It wasn't just one, but it was three. Seems ironic that you would leave in the sake of a famine to save your life, only to lose your life for leaving. Obviously, God had a reason and a purpose for that. I can only imagine Naomi thinking through here, pondering these things in a foreign country, away from any relatives, relation, stranger, no husband. The desire to return to her own country seemed like a better option. In this chapter that we read here this morning, there's a glimmer of hope for this family. There's a glimmer of hope for the human race. Ruth's willingness to stay by Naomi is a remarkable commitment. Why? Was it because Ruth thought how Naomi, she's old, will she be able to take care of herself? Was she looking out for the better of someone else? Did she see evidence of the God that Naomi had in her life? Obviously, Ruth would have had relationship, relation, family connection in her country but there was something in Naomi that drew her to want to be with Naomi and we see how this played out later and she Ruth gives testimony she says I want to make God the God that you have my God I want to make your people my people. I am willing to leave my country and become a foreigner in your country. As Dennis would say, Ruth was like a cockaburr. Couldn't shake it off. Inseparable. The Lord is in all the details, and we see that in Ruth in the first four verses of Ruth chapter 2. In verse 3 there, the King James, the language is somewhat, I find, confusing. You read, her hap was to light on part of the field belonging unto Boaz. Well, first of all, I asked myself, well, what is a hap? And digging in farther, obviously, translations would let, uh, lend to say that she happened to come to this field that belonged to Boaz. 
The Lord is concerned about every detail of our life, whether it's big or whether it's small. Naomi had a relative of her husband. He was a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And it seems quite often when you read the word Boaz in this account, it often refers to that connection, that family name. There's not enough good things that could be said about Boaz. It says he was a worthy man. He was a strong man of, of good character, of valor. He was highly respected in his community. He had integrity. Not only that, but he, he was also wealthy. And yet, at the same time, he was very generous. Boaz took very good care of his workers. He saw that justice prevailed. And he was the perfect man. Perfect man for someone like Ruth. Another thing I find interesting about the name Eliminech means God is king. So, God is king over everything. There is now this ray of hope. What looked hopeless, what looked totally destined for destruction and bitterness, and now maybe there is something that can change. There's a ray of hope. you think that Naomi's bitterness that she had forgotten about this ray of hope had the ten years she'd been in the foreign land caused her to lose focus of who God was it's very possible Boaz here is the hope for the family. He's the redeemer that this family so desperately needed. And the author of this book, Ruth, brings out that storyline very well. The principle of a kinsman redeemer is presented to us in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and in Leviticus 25, God had given some special instructions to the children of Israel in order to protect and to continue to look after those that were less fortunate, especially those that were widowed and widowers and orphans and those that were less uh, to do. Especially the, if a wife was without a husband, to care for her would have been the next in line, would have been a brother. 
he was to look after her. In case of land being sold, the revenue from that land was to be brought back to that family and used for their their good. However, failure to follow through with with those orders of looking after the widow and the orphans was looked with great shame. Boaz, being a just man, what would he do? Especially during this time in the Judges. If you remember, right before we have, before Ruth, we have the Judges. In the very last verse of Judges, it talks about, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Here we have a man, Boaz, who is godly, upright, a valor man, full of integrity, living in a society that is decayed and decrepit, doing what is right and not being influenced by the evil around him. The worship, idol, the idol worship that was probably flourished in, in that time did not affect him. But he shone brightly in that day of rebellion and sin. We also get a sense of the respect that Boaz had to his workers. You know, it's one thing to be around people that you know. But it's maybe different to be around people you don't know. And I see Boaz being a character that didn't matter who he was around. He would do the right thing. There in verse 4, it mentions his greeting to his workers. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Do we have any employers here this morning that have employees? We're all employees or work for ourselves. I was wondering how your employees would respond if you would go tomorrow to work and you would respond to them in this manner. The Lord be with you. Would their response be, the Lord bless you? It's a little bit not our culture to do that. Obviously back in that era, that time, that might have been more of a a greeting to, to salute someone and to wish them blessing. And we do do that. Amongst ourselves, we'll say the Lord bless you. Boaz was a Christian businessman, and he cared about what the Lord thought. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Ruth and Naomi are still in a bad situation. 
I'd like to look at their attitudes a little bit. Ruth's attitude is much different than that of Naomi's. While Naomi is stewing in her bitterness and self-centeredness, Ruth has taken the initiative to go and find food. And we can find that in verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me go, now go, to the field and glean. She's pleading, or saying to her mother-in-law, Let me go. I'm capable. I'm young. I can do it. I can go find food. Instead of having the attitude and of serve me or or staying there and being influenced by her mother-in-law and, and having a self-pity party, she does something about it. I believe this is why, or one of the reasons Naomi's uh, character qualities, if you want to call it that, shines, is that she was looking out for other people and knew that if in order to to live, they would need food. In that day too, it was accustomed to harvest fields and to not do a thorough harvest. They were instructed to leave the corners of the fields and some left here and there for those that were poor and needed food. And uh, I don't know if Naomi had told Ruth about this custom of theirs or not, but maybe that was more of a custom worldwide back then too. Um, but obviously it was instructed in the Bible. But obviously Ruth knew that she had to do something to go and find some food. A foreigner who comes from the people who have no favor will soon find favor with God. She was trusting of God for his favor. She had no reason to think that anyone could extend a foreigner favor, especially in this day and age. She was humble to go and glean. She had the courage in the sense to go to a stranger's field to glean, especially when, in the time of the judges, sin was running rampant and proved to be very dangerous, especially for a foreign girl. Leaving grain in the field, when I worked for the farmer that I worked for, it was not a good thing to leave grain in the field. Two things. One was to be volunteer the next year. And number two, well, who's going to get it anyway? Obviously, we... We don't live in the food is a little the sourcing of food and and the availability and and the getting it from the farmer to the shelves is different than what it was then. 
But back in this time, it pertained a lot to farming. Probably everyone was a farmer to some form, extent, or another. And it depended a lot on them. Now, today, I'm guessing, at least the last I heard, 2% of the population is farming. I don't know, it's probably less than that, because that was a while back. But running a combine through the field, periodically, you get out and you go check the row beside that you didn't combine, and you would look to see if there's any grain in that row. And if you could walk down that row and not find a kernel, you knew you had your combine dialed in, and you were good to go. Now, if conditions change and all of a sudden you're spitting corn out the back and you see it in that row, then you got to change. But here, I find that these men, these women, whoever was part of his harvest team, Boaz's harvest team, they were commanded to purposely throw a handful. You have it? Throw it. So that she can find, or they can find, but she can find this handful of grain. Let it slip. That's the kind of man Boaz was. You know, farmers tend to be greedy and want everything for themselves, but we do not see that at all with Boaz. Was this method of gleaning in the fields to allow some to stand for those that were less fortunate than them? Was this uh, God's way of reminding them that at one time they weren't so well off and they were strangers and foreigners and they were people that lived in Egypt and food was scarce for them? Was this a reminder to them? So why did uh, Ruth happen to come upon the field of Boaz? I'd like to think about this for a little bit. Do things just happen? I mean, we could we could talk a little bit about maybe and maybe knowing the character that Boaz was and the 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 influence that he had in his method of farming, I would get the, I don't know, this is my, what my mind goes to is that his fields were probably more bountiful. He probably didn't cut corners. They were probably weed free. They probably looked good. I don't know. There's probably other people, farmers that had good fields. But something drew Ruth to this field. Was it because it was close by? That could be too. This is surmising. This is just me reading into it. This is not in the Bible at all. Or part of the storyline. But it does say that she happened to come upon a field that pertained to Boaz. And that's what I want to think about. From Ruth's vantage point, 
There was nothing out of the ordinary going on. She went out to glean. She finds herself in a field of Boaz. It could have been other fields that she could have picked from, but she she picked that one. And I believe this happening to be the field that she found herself in was God's plan all along for her to be there. From God's vantage point, she didn't just happen to go to Boaz's field. And that's how the Lord works in our lives. Proverbs 69. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes steps. The equation looks like this. We think through things, we make decisions, and we plan our way. The way we plan is already in the realm of God's providence. He already has things planned out far in advance, and they will come to pass. We know that in God's plan there is nothing left to chance. You know, sometimes we can use the example, well, that was good luck, or that was chance that that happened. And I know we lipidly use that sometimes, but I trust that it's not how we think. As a Christian, we should believe that God has everything planned out, no matter if it, no matter if the outcome is what we want it to be or not. Sometimes we struggle with knowing what the Lord's will is for our life. What does the Lord want me to do? Where would the Lord have me to go? And those are good questions. And sometimes you just have to go and you got to start moving. You have to make a decision. To sit and always be questioning and wondering doesn't get you anywhere. There may be time for pause, but I believe there has to be direction, there has to be motivation, there has to be movement. And as there's movement, sometimes doors will close. And then you get your answer. And if the door stays open, you keep moving. And it'll bring you to another door, another decision. If that door stays open, you keep moving. In the will of God is what I'm talking about. You know, we have the story of Ruth here. We have the full story. We know what happened. You know, we can be critical of Naomi and and uh, their family moving to Moab because of a famine. You know, was that in God's plan? Would have that been God's will? For them to leave their country, their people. And the question that I came back to is that where would Ruth be in this story if they hadn't done that? 
Because with them moving, it brought them to another land. Through marriage, Ruth became part of the family. And because of Ruth's commitment to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you're, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. It wasn't just chance. Now I want to look at the kindness of Boaz. And we think of Boaz being a kinsman redeemer. The glimpse of grace of God's work. And in verse 5 through 7, he inquires... He notices Ruth and he asks his workers, who is this? Who is this girl that is out there, this damsel? Was the Lord playing matchmaker already? He's working the details out for Ruth and Boaz to get together. Later on in this, in this chapter, we'll, we'll, or not chapter, but book, we'll see how that all came to, to work out. And the reason for that, he's working out the details to become a husband and wife. Why is he doing this? God has a savior to bring into the world. And Boaz and Ruth, will become great-grandparents of King David. And that is the line that Jesus comes down, or come, the lineage that Jesus comes through. And Ruth is just the type of girl that a godly man is looking for. She's committed, she's caring, she's humble. As a foreigner and as a widow, she has the right to walk in a field and to begin to glean. However, she doesn't do things just like that. But there is one interesting thing that she does do, that she went ahead to do, and that was that she asked, she humbly asked for permission to glean in Boaz's field. To me, that speaks volumes to what her heart is, where her heart is. Then as the story goes on, Boaz begins to care for Ruth. Tells her that she doesn't need to go in any other field but to stay there and to, to glean with his harvest crew and, and to work with them. And, to, and not only that, but then to also eat and drink of the water that his workers will be uh, providing. Also, I find as well with this harvest crew and, and with Boaz's employees that, okay, Boaz being a just man, righteous, valor, and I have a feeling that his influence spurred on his employers to want to do what's right. So he had a good crew, and he told them, he said, don't touch that girl. This now became security team for this girl. And he tells Ruth, he said, don't go in any other field. You are going to be safe in my field. You stay here, you glean. You glean in my fields. My men will watch out for you. 
and I just heard this yesterday, that men are either a protector or a predator. And when you shake it down, those are the two camps. Here we find Boaz instructing his men to be a protector, to watch out for Ruth, to provide for her, and to protect her from the dangers that are around them in their evil society. We have strong influence on other people. Our attitudes, our actions speak, I think it was mentioned in the Sunday School, our actions speak loud. How we live our life. There's younger ones that are watching and looking up to us. How do they see you and I living and walking and working? Your attitudes and actions can have a big impact on directions that can set the course for other people. I'll just say this. My heart was blessed when I received a text about volleyball Friday night for the younger children to be involved in it. I think that was good. I know youth are willing and very energetic to have probably a good volleyball. But to give up your good volleyball to include someone else, I think, is good. You set the stage. Ruth, as we close out this chapter here, there's one principle that's important to understand. Ruth asked Boaz why she should be experiencing such grace from from his hands. As Boaz begins to respond, it almost sounds as if she is experiencing grace because of the kindness she has shown to her mother-in-law. But I think there is something more that we can pick up on what Boaz says. And I want to look at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It had fully, it had, it had fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto the people which thou knewest not hereto. Verse 12, And the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. God was caring for Ruth because she had taken, she had taken refuge under his wing. She was the only one in the story so far who didn't take matters into her own hands. 
and try to do things her way. She was the one who ran to God for security. Now Boaz is being used by God to care for Ruth. Boaz is that wing in which God is shielding this helpless foreigner who has come running to him. What better place is there to be than under the shadow of God's protection? This is our truth that we can have for us today. How does God want to use you and me as he used Boaz? Who is it that he wants to show kindness to? That you can be an instrument in his hand of God to them. God supplied Ruth with food and it was through the kindness of Boaz. And the Lord can rain manna down from heaven if he wants to and if someone needs it. But I think most of the times God prefers to use people to show the kindness that he would exemplify to other people. How will God use you to meet the needs of his people like he met Ruth's needs?